Hello everybody, welcome to another episode of the Charge Shots Gamecast. I'm your host Ben, aka the Marvel of Tiki. Joining me is my loyal companion, the man I want to go to the stars with one day, Justin. And Weasley. And Weasley, yeah. I forgot the cat was there. Uh, you just I just assume the cats are always hanging you. And joining us is the man who is finally back after a three-week hiatus, after being thrown through a steel table. Uh, now he's back with us. Tyler, Tyler, welcome back once again. Yeah, it was... It was real hell getting those hemorrhages all worked out. <laughs> yes, and Charge Shot does not offer insurance, so he has to pay for it all himself. Damn Hashtag it. capitalism. All right. Hashtag American uh, healthcare. Yes, uh, Karen from HR wants to talk to you after the show's over to go over the paperwork, and there's no lawsuit. All right, either way, hello, everybody. Welcome to the Charge Shot Games Cast. Uh, we are a weekly video game podcast where we talk about news and game and the games we've been playing. So, ladies and gentlemen, let's start it off with Justin, as per usual. Justin... As you struggle to play Tug of War with your cat, uh, for those who are not watching this live at twitch.tv where we stream live every Monday at 7 p.m. Central Standard Time, usually, what have you been playing slash up to this past week, my dude? Um, I have not, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm continuing my Ratchet and Clank playthrough, I've been saying that. Um, I'm on a crack in time. Um, I don't remember if I said last week, I don't remember, sorry, Last week, I don't remember if I was on that one yet, like if I had finished Tools of Destruction and Quest for Booty, but... I think you had just mentioned you were, you had, you were just about to beat Tools of Destruction, the first PS3 game. Yeah, that sounds right. Okay, yeah. Yeah, so I beat that one, and then, uh, pretty much, like, same, same day, uh, did Quest for Booty, because it's a very short game, like, 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 very short, like, I didn't realize how short it is. Um, and that one's super unnecessary. It's, I don't, like, I already owned it, so, like, I didn't have to, you know, go to the store for it or anything, but I'm really curious, like, how much it retailed for. Like, it was a digital-only title, but I would guess it was still, like, in the 10 to $20 range, and it's, like, two hours long and really has nothing of value in it. Um, so that's kind of a shame that they even decided to make it, honestly. Uh, but anyway, then I moved on to, uh, A Crack in Time, which is fantastic. Like, I didn't think I'd played it before because I didn't own it. Um, but I'm guessing it's one of my games that was stolen. Uh, and so I I had to buy it again. But, like, I've been, I've been playing through quite a bit and, like, everything, like, as I play, I remember that I've, you know, that I've done it before. But it's still just, like, it's a hoot. Like this, this is like peak Ratchet and Clank, um, and I'm really excited. I'm probably about halfway, I'd say, um, and I'm really excited to beat this one and talk about it because I have a lot to say, um, a, lot, a lot positive, which is nice after two kind of PS3 stinkers. <laughs> um, so yeah, that's cool. And then um, I have been, well, I watched. A playthrough of Resident Evil Village, um, because I I I can't play that game, uh, but I was still really excited for it to come out. And like, I don't want to get into spoilers or anything, because uh, that game is is nuts. Like even by Resident Evil standards, it's nuts. Uh, oh yeah, but it's really cool. Like it's definitely better than Seven. Um, it's really no contest. Like. It has a lot of the um, the ecosystem of four, like with the uh, 
with the attache case as your inventory, obviously, um, and the duke as your merchant. Um, but also just like the structure of it uh, feels very similar with like, you know, a, a hub village and a, a mansion to explore and like underground areas, like kind of a sewer system and um, a, a bit of a factory space. Like, oh, it hits a lot of the same beats as 4 did, but with that like Resident Evil 7 uh, first person view engine type thing. And obviously continuing Ethan's story. Um, but, the shenanigans of Ethan Winters. Yeah, the most generic leading man in Resident Evil history. Uh, he occasionally has like one-liners whenever he beats enemies, but they're all dumb. And he says them with such apathy. It's like he knows they're dumb, but they're in the script, so he has to say them. He should have quit while they were ahead. <laughs> Kinda, yeah, but that's, worse. That's definitely has to be a callback to to four with Leon and his smarminess. Maybe, but Leon was at least charming, right? This is as a callback. Doesn't it was a good callback? Fair. Uh, like he beats one of the uh, one of the daughters, like you know, Lady D's uh, bug daughters, and he just goes, "I'm really sick of bugs." Like that's dun, the line. Dun, dun, they really bug me. Right. Like, that at least would have been acceptable if he's like, man, these daughters are really starting to bug me. But, like, no, it was just just a throwaway. Just turns into the Duke Nukem uh, tweet thread. (laughs) Um, But, like, the game is a lot of fun. Uh, Like I said, obviously I'm not playing it, but, like, I experienced the whole thing, you know. Um, And, I mean, it's, it's got the traditional Resident Evil structure of, like, you kind of start in a suspenseful area, and then it gets real scary and creepy for a while with like some like serious survival horror elements, and then by the end you're kind of an unstoppable killing machine, and it's just a you know, uh, just a, a shoot 'em up fest uh, with some ridiculous boss designs. Um, but the story is wackadoodle, but interesting. Um, I still don't care about Ethan as a character, but, like, I'm invested in, you know, the story that they send him on. <laughs> um, and I'm really curious how it's going to lead into the next game. Uh, I'm not sure if they were setting up DLC or setting up another game, but there's some, there's some interesting threads that are left there. Um, and the ways that it actually does tie back into Resident Evil 7 is really cool, because obviously this is, like, in Romania or something like that. I think some fake location that's like Eastern Europe. Yeah. But I'm saying like, it's a fake location, but like it's in Europe. Yeah. Whereas Resident Evil seven was like in the bayous of America. So like, how are they, how could they even be connected aside from Ethan? But they are. And it's pretty cool. Um, and there's a few fun ties to past games too, but not a lot. Um, the one thing that was kind of weird to me is like, there's, there's not a single zombie in the game. Yeah, it was like that in like, Resident Evil 4 as well. Yeah. Well, the Las Plagas uh, were a form of the T-Virus. No, they were not. I thought they were. Nope. They are their mutation. own... Uh-uh. They're okay. Not. They are, they're an ancient virus that they were, they, they unhurt, they have nothing to do 
with Umbrella or anything. Well, Wesker wants them because, of course, like, of course he would. But they're not connected to any kind of virus. They're their own. Hmm. It's its own thing. That's why, like, it's more of, like, a parasite than, say, like, the T-virus is, like, a thing that mutates somebody. The the, the plaga says you didn't have virus before. They fucking spawn out of things. So, yeah. like, yeah. Okay. Well, yeah, I guess now that you mentioned it, it isn't always zombies. Umbrella kind of dabbles in a lot of weird stuff. Like, Resident Revelations, the first one, they're, like, aquatic sea creatures. Like, that kind of takes... There's some... There's a zombie boss fight, but, you know, but that's... Yeah. Fair enough. We're Um, beyond the point where Resident Evil is just zombies anymore. We've way past that point. Yeah. But, like, there's such a a better, like, enemy diversity than in 7 when it was just a bunch of goo monsters. Oh, like, yeah. The same goo monsters over and over again. Now there's, like, the lichens and the, you know, obviously the daughters, which are kind of, like, mid-bosses, but, I mean, they're they're enemies. And um, there's one enemy, flying things. and Yeah. One enemy that will literally not make you sleep at night. And yeah. one enemy that, you, yeah, sure, I want to wake up at 4 a.m. to that. I'm not going to say what it is, but if you've played it, you know what I'm talking about. And that's all I'm going to say. Yeah. I mean, like, the I don't think the four houses, like, you know, the four main people are a spoiler. Um, and I will say, like, creepy doll chick, no, no, no. <laughs> um, but for the most part, like, after you get out of the mansion, uh, it, it definitely has a lot of ups and downs. Um, like, the, the pacing kind of goes all over the place for a while. And, like, the... F- what I would consider the final main area is pretty lackluster, um, but like the whole end of the game is like it's a roller coaster, so it's worth getting through that. But oh my god, Leslie! But it's it's kind of a, a mess along the way. Um, anyway, yeah. And th- aside from those, I've played a slew of mobile games. Um, so I did a video on one, uh, called Diecast, which is basically like a, uh, like a card and die based, uh, like digital board game with some kind of like D and D style RPG elements to it where, uh, you have a handful of cards, but the cards have like some kind of like die roll on them. Um, so some of them are, like, set numbers, one through six. Um, others are, like, specialty moves. Um, and then others are, like, you know, basically a range of die. So it could be, like, even numbers, odd numbers, random, which is one through six, that kind of thing. Um, and so your hand of, like, I think five is the max, um, can be any of those varieties with kind of a... A leaning towards the ones that you choose to bring in, but you can also just pick up random ones too. Um, and so you're moving around the board, like kind of a square board, and each square has some kind of event on it. So, like, you might pick up a treasure chest or land on a monster spot where you have to uh, hit the right uh, the right die number to capture the monster. Um, and if you don't, they do damage to you. Um and there's you know various things like that there's some like that are just spikes that do damage uh there's like a like a book of spells that have random effects 
Um, they might like up your attack power or give you gold or do damage to the enemy, that kind of thing. Like you don't know what it's going to do when you land on it. Um, and then there's attack spaces. And if you, when you land on those, your current attack power, which is based on like your level, uh, plus any like things that you've picked up on the map, um, your attack power does that much damage to the enemy. Um, and obviously the goal is to, you know, take down their health before they take down yours. Um, and there's a lot of strategy involved, but also sometimes it can just evolve into randomness. Um, like, sometimes it feels like you get on a winning streak, and then all of the RNG just slaps you in the face. And it's like, just boom, 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 boom. Like, land on spikes, and then get thrown in jail. And then, like, get, like, a, a bad draw, and... Then they attack you three times in a row and like that can get really frustrating because you get more uh, points like victory points when you're on a winning streak. Um, so they really like to crush that and make you want to spend money. Um, but there's a bunch of different heroes that you can uh, unlock that have their own special abilities. Um, so some might be specifically attack focused uh, and others are more tricky. Like my favorite character is Ivy. And whenever she attacks an enemy, um, she uh, binds them in vines that slow their movement. So, like, uh, let's say you hit them and it has, like, a three on them. So they have to roll above a three in order to move. Um, and if they roll three or below, they just, like, tick down the vine timer. Um, and so that can be a fun way to, like, stop them in their tracks and kind of get, you know... Um, get a get a little bit of a head start and she also has another ability where if you attack an enemy that is stuck in vines it does like double damage or something um, which can basically take them out in one hit if you have high enough attack power so there's some really cool stuff there and I've been playing it a lot um, like it's fairly grindy uh, because every match you win you get a treasure chest that has like just stuff in it that goes towards like your hero abilities and your gold and things like that. Um, but then you also have to um, spend gold to actually upgrade the heroes once you've like buffed them with the the post game bonuses. So I have like three heroes right now that are maxed out because I can't afford to upgrade them anymore, and I don't get enough gold from matches to get up to that like. Hundred, hundreds of thousands gold threshold. Um, so even if I get one up that high, I still have others that need just as much gold again. So like some of the some of the mobile game stuff is frustrating, but just playing the game is really fun. Um, I think I've spent like seven dollars in it so far, just because like I've I've put the time in. You know, I feel like they earned the money. Um, but. A lot, some of the gold prices and stuff are stupid expensive. Um, I like it was like a hundred thousand gold with like thirty bucks. It's insane. Um, that sounds so about that, right for a mobile game to charge yeah, that much. But like I said, one of my like well, three of my characters need three hundred fifty thousand to go up to the next level. So like, do the math on that. Like, I don't, I don't want to do the math right now, but. Um, it gets it gets pretty intense. Um, 
but yeah, I'm, I'm also just like I'm addicted to playing it, so whatever. Um, another one that is not a free to play game uh, is called Ticket to Earth, which I think has gotten some play before. Like it's it's done fairly well publicly, um, and it's like five dollars on the App Store. It's not bad, uh, and there's no you know there's no microtransactions or anything once you pay that, so it's kind of nice. But it's also kind of an RPG game. Um, God, I hate that. It's an RPG. Sorry. <laughs> I hate that. Like people say like ATM machine and like pin number and <laughs> you know, I just, I did the thing I hate. Um, but yeah, it's more of a strategy RPG. So you go into a battle and uh, it kind of lays out a grid like those like match three puzzle games, you know, where there's like different colors of tiles and stuff. Um, but the grid is your movement. So like, if there's, let's say, um, like kind of a Z shape of like orange spaces, um, you can, you know, slide your finger across that and move that many spaces. Uh, but if you're surrounded by things that are like two at a time, like you don't get to move very far. Um, and however far you move also dictates your attack power. Um, so like you build up your attack power by going across so many spaces and reaching an enemy and attacking them. Um, and you also have some different abilities that can kind of manipulate that. Like, uh, I have one that'll like change a whole line into a specific color. Uh, so like if you're trapped and like can't get to the enemy, you can drop this ability, create a line, and then, you know, have that much more movement, um, to get to where you want to go. But the enemies also move on those same, on that same grid. So sometimes like they'll take the path you want, and you're like, ah, so you're like, you're trying to move as much as possible while also cutting off their path to you. Um, so there's, there's some pretty cool strategy in there, but the game itself is kind of like a, like a robot apocalypse type thing. Um, it kind of reminds me of iRobot where like they have, like everyone has these robots in their homes. They, you know, they do everything for them and then, uh, they go evil. So they start like ushering all of the people uh into like uh into death camps basically um to try to kill off all the all the humans so it's only like robots and like mutants left um and you play one of like the few remaining humans trying to kind of you know defend your turf um against all of the robots and aliens or robots and mutants um and so there's a pretty cool story and it's told through like kind of some nicely uh, nice art, like, comic book panel type things. Um, there's not a lot of animation or anything. It's usually static shots, but it still looks really nice, I think. Static shots. And, shot. um... <laughs> that's, that's what I thought, too. Um, and there's a few playable characters. Uh, I think there's only two. I just got a second one, so I'm assuming there's only two. But one is melee and one is ranged, and the ranged guy has some pretty cool abilities, too. Uh, like, the more he moves, like, the more spaces he moves, the wider his, his attack range gets, which is pretty cool. Um, so, yeah, there, there's a lot of fun stuff in that one, but it's it's a little harder to explain. Um, but I definitely recommend checking it out. Uh, the hardest part about that is, like, the grid is kind of small. So, like, I have a note phone, so, like, I just, I pull out the stylus and use that to make my tra- trails and stuff, because otherwise my finger gets in the way and I can't tell, like, what's what. Um, so that's a minor problem, but 
the last one I've mostly been playing is I I, I have uh, I did reinstall Genshin Impact because I was like maybe I'll enjoy it more on a phone like it seems kind of like it's built for mobile even though you can play it on console and I mean it's still a great game but I've had a hard time getting super into it um, but the final one I've really been playing is called um, Another Eden um, it has a subtitle it's like uh, a a cat outside of space and time or something like that. I don't remember. Um, but it's a it's a fairly traditional RPG. Uh, so like you know turn based. You have a party. Um, the the whole like touch screen interface is actually pretty intuitive. Um, you tap on the character and then you uh, tap on like the the icon above them and it shows the different attacks they have. And if you hold on the attack, it'll tell you like what it does, damage output, that kind of thing. Um, so you select the attack, you hit the attack button, and they all, you know, they attack in sequence. Um, and so it moves pretty quick. There's a button for, like, repeat, if you just want to keep doing the same thing over and over again. Um, there's an auto-attack button. Like, it's it's smooth. Um, and it's the type that is uh, uh, random encounters. So you're, you know, you're running around the field, and it goes to combat. But it's, like, it's seamless. Like, you're in and out of combat very quickly. Uh, so the game moves quick. I like it. Uh, again, very pretty art style. Very nicely animated. Um, it's kind of... It's a unique art style. I wasn't sure about it at first. But the more I've seen some of, like, the, the cutscenes in it and stuff, the more I like it. Uh, because it's just... It's very smoothly animated. And there's, like, a cohesion to the look. Um, it's... It kind of reminds me of, like, if Genshin Impact was 2D. If that helps explain the art style. Um, it's kind of that cutesy anime, like, stylized look, but it's all kind of, like, HD 2D art. I don't want to call them sprites, because they're smoothed out and, like, look like artwork. But it is 2D. Um, but the one weird thing is the way you move around. Because you basically are on a, like, a side-scrolling panel. Um, and there's some things, like, behind and in front of you, but it's, like interactables so like you'll run by and it'll have like a exclamation point or whatever and you tap on that to like interact with the thing that's you know outside of your walking path um and i didn't think i was gonna like that at first because like there's not a lot of exploration to it but when you actually get to the like the area maps um there's like multiple paths to go down and stuff so like you'll be running across and then you'll have to like swipe down to go like the next lane and then go across and like you might find you know a hidden treasure chest or something like that um and there's some paths with like super powerful enemies that it like warns you not to attack so you have to kind of like go up and around them and um or like stay out of their vision um so there's still some cool stuff with the exploration but it's i mean it is like you know swiping side to side on a on a 2d screen um but the story is really cool. I actually, I think this game is from the Chrono Trigger creative team. I'm pretty sure I read that. Um, it's it's kind of a similar idea where you're like traveling through time and you're not really sure why. Like you just kind of get thrown into a portal and end up in the future and you're like, wait, what? Why am I here? What happened? Where am I? Um, but there's cats involved. Not sure why yet, but that's fine. There's cats. <laughs> um... And uh, this is a free-to-play game, so, like, the mobile aspects come in with the 
the fairly light so far gotcha elements. Um, so you can like summon party members to join you from like across space and time. Um, like I got this uh, nicely designed caveman woman. I'll oh. say that. <laughs> um, who's who's kind of like a, like a barbarian class because everyone has like a skill tree for their you know for their abilities and stuff they earn. Um, and I I picked her because of the character art. I'm not gonna lie. Um, She's basically alien but, at this point, right? Sorta, yeah. But I don't, she doesn't have a tail. Um, but the one weird thing about that is because it's just kind of like gotcha partner uh, party members. They have nothing to do with the story. Like when it goes to a cutscene, you just see your main hero, and then like when when like the story stuff, because like he's he's like he's not interacting with anyone. He's by himself, like talking out loud. And then, like, you know, you'll gain control again, and you start running, and, like, your party member is there with you. And it's, like, it's kind of jarring, because you just have this random cave... Well, I just have this random caveman woman with me, and suddenly we're, like, 800 years in the future, and she has nothing to say about it. <laughs> so, like, it's it's weird that the, like, the gotcha elements seem kind of shoehorned, because they don't have anything to do with it. I think they're just there to get money. Um, yeah. But... I picked it back up this afternoon um, and got a little bit further and unlocked the ability to do these, like, uh, just kind of special, like, side stories. And I found one that is a Persona 5 tie-in. So I started doing that, and it was really cool because it was, like, all the Phantom Thieves, like, in this game's art style. And, like, you're in Mementos, like, running around fighting things, and it introduces all the characters, so, you know, in case you don't know the game. Um, and then they find a portal... And get launched into the other game's world and have to figure out what they're doing. And that's where I left off. But it's really cool to, like, you know, run around this game's world as Joker and Mona. Like, it's it's the little things, you know? Yeah, it's always um, nice to have those guys back in action. Yeah. But it is, like, Joker talks a lot. And, like, I mean, there's no voice acting in the game. But it's still weird how much dialogue he gets for, like, being the silent protagonist. Even though he has a voice, I realize that. Yeah, he has a voice, and he does talk a lot more frequently in the uh, animated version of Persona 5 as well. And he has some really funny lines in the English dub. Yeah, so, I I mean, it's canon that he has a voice, so I guess, like, it's fine. But I'm so used to everyone else talking, and then, like, you know, you just selecting a prompt... Um, that it was weird that he was like, come on, guys, let's go. Like, we, like you know, really being a leader. Um, but yeah, it's a cool game. And it's, like I said, it's a fairly traditional RPG. Uh, just with some light, like, grinding mobile gotcha elements in there. I'm sure they get more obnoxious as you go. Uh, but so far, it's it's just an enjoyable RPG adventure. And the story's pretty cool. Um... But yeah, I think that's all I got. I I took a lot of time. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, this is the mobile game episode starring Justin. So I'm actually looking. That's at all I've had time to play. It. Hopefully, you're watching um, this episode on a mobile device. Yes, you got also, phones, uh, don't you? For the Chrono Trigger uh, people on it, it is Masato Kato as the scenario writer and yep. Yasunori Mitsuda, who is that the music composer. So that alone might get me to at least download okay. the game. 
Um, See, I wasn't I wasn't playing fun. with music, so like, because I was yes, at work. You, okay, you're missing the best part, then probably. I know, but I, I was recording uh, it this afternoon because um, I'm going to do a video on that one, and so I'll listen to the footage because my screen recorder does like in phone audio. Okay. All right, Tyler, what have you been gone for three weeks after going through a wooden table? Oh, um, man. What have you been up to? Um, a lot, actually. Uh, for those that don't know why I've been absent from the show for the last, uh, I don't know, probably like a month or something, I was in the process of applying for a new job and quitting my old one. So uh, I worked up my schedule with uh, my new employer, and uh, now I'm available every single weekend, uh, every single evening in the foreseeable future. So I apologize for not explaining all of this sooner on social media and having my fellow co-hosts scramble to get all the new guests for these past few episodes. But now I'm back, and I have returned to the stage of history. Nice. I mean, our, our guests were great. We actually yeah, we thought about are. not bringing you back, but, you know. They're all really His cool. words, not mine. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Yeah, it was, it was really fun uh, editing those episodes and hearing your takes on stuff. So that was cool, at least. But, uh, yeah. Uh, the job transfer wasn't the only thing I was busy with this week. I just got myself a beefy new PC as well. Uh, basically, my old one is starting to give out. It's a piece of junk that constantly updates and just slows everything down. So uh, it's a real pain in the ass to continually edit and record with this thing. So uh, now I won't have to worry about uh, my audio crashing like in the second episode of Atomic Shark that we did. And again, I apologize for that. I'm pretty sure. Hey, I salvaged it. That was a pretty good episode. You did, still. and uh, I'm eternally grateful for that. I couldn't have done that shit. But uh, yeah, uh, now that I have a new PC, I can also uh, go back to streaming and uh, play some higher end games on my uh, computer. One of which uh, that I've been tinkering with was Tekken Seven, because of course I was. So, uh, yeah, I was able to get the PC version to run at 60 frames per second, and uh, now I'm able to play with mods. Uh, so, in Tekken 7, or Tekken 5 onwards, I guess, uh, you can customize your characters with uh, these uh, special clothing options, which range from uh, incredibly stylish to incredibly goofy at points. But uh, now with mods... You can pretty much uh, go the extra mile, uh, depending on what you find, of course. When I was looking on DeviantArt the other day, uh, most of the character mods uh, for uh, costumes and stuff were all basically thirst traps. But uh, I found, you do. but I found some uh, pretty pretty neat uh, mods uh, for some of the characters on there. There was one that turns a uh, Gygus, one of the new characters introduced in Tekken Seven this big red hulking monster dude and uh, the mod just turns him into exodia from uh, Yu-Gi-Oh. Mm. it's pretty funny i thought you were gonna say red hulk you know i didn't find that one honestly uh mm. another one i did find i did find uh was uh it turns kuma the big bear into gumby so you can pretty much just fight as a giant gumby and that's pretty funny one of the cooler ones i found was uh there's a mod that transforms Asuka Kazama into fucking Tifa Lockhart from Final Fantasy VII. Like, down to that's the That's a very popular mod. Yeah, down from the face from uh, the remake. And, uh, yeah, that's pretty sick. But the one that I've been playing with the most 
was uh, the various suit mod for uh, Nina Williams because she's pretty much just Samus and yeah, I feel like that fits really well. It's super cool. They need a zero suit variant though. Yeah, right. I'm surprised there isn't one already considering right? that's that's the biggest shock to me. Well, I mean, in the actual game, there's like a black jumpsuit uh, that you can pretty much customize to be blue. So I think that would probably be the closest one. Uh, I guess. But yeah, I've been playing a bit of Tekken 7. Uh, the, only, the other game that I've been messing with on my PC isn't exactly a high-end one that takes a whole lot of graphical fidelity. Uh, I've been playing a whole bunch of uh, Digimon Story Cyber Sleuth on, uh, because... Uh, I got it on sale from uh, the Golden Week sale a few weeks ago, and I've been back on that game's bullshit. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, those games are pretty fun. It's a two-game deal. Uh, it comes with the original Cyber Sleuth and uh, the uh, the side story called Hacker's Memory. Uh, the game that I've been spending the most time on is the latter one because there are specific Digimon breeds that you can get in that one. Uh, that you can't get in the original Cyber Sleuth. So, uh... Is that the game where you made us? Uh, yeah. Uh, although that was the Switch version, uh, I'm hmm. now playing it on PC, just because. And, uh, now that I'm playing a new game, I pretty much just, uh, restarted everything. I have a new team lined up. Everyone is more or less the same breeds that I picked out for you guys. Like, uh, I made, uh, Justin Angemon. Because uh, he's usually uh, the uh, more range fighter, and I feel like that would fit Justin pretty well. And because I'm an angel, yes, that's true. Hand of fate. Ah, can't get that call attack out of my head now. It's actually called (laughs) Heaven's Knuckle in the Japanese version and in the game proper, which I feel like that sounds better. Yes, that sounds so much cooler. Yeah, man, a lot of the Japanese names are way cooler than the English ones. Um, it's, it's almost as if Japan's better than us at naming conventions. Yeah, I know, right? So, uh, speaking of the show, um, this, the Digimon Story games pretty much almost have nothing to do with the original series, if you're familiar with those at all. It's basically its own continuity, uh, where uh, there's basically a cyberspace that people can go in called Eden, where uh, folks can... Uh, meet up on the internet and uh, just do shopping or whatever. It's basically like Sword Art Online. uh, You know, without all the broken nonsense. But, uh, yeah. Where there's an internet space, there are bound to be hackers. And they pretty much use Digimon programs to cause all sorts of problems. So, in in either game, whether it's the original Cyber Sleuth or Hacker's Memory, uh, your main character is going to be different, and uh, their motivations are more or less different. But the way they uh, the way they do things is pretty much the same. You basically uh, have the Digimon program where you can uh, scan Digimon that you fight and uh, have them added to your party if you fight them enough times, which is kind of better than the Pokemon catching mechanic, if I do say so myself. Because there isn't a random factor to it. I mean, there kind of is, but you don't have to throw, like, a million Pokeballs just to catch, like, I don't know, an Agumon or something. Because that doesn't get old. Uh, Both the stories are completely different. Uh, They take place at around the same time as each other. Uh, 
Though I do recommend playing the original Cyber Sleuth first if you want to get into this, because there are characters introduced in Hacker's Memory uh, that are that appear pretty prominently, but you won't understand what their deals are if you haven't played uh, the original first. So is it like the same progression? Is it kind of like a, like a third, you know, the third version of a Pokemon game? Uh, where it's like you're going through the same stuff, but like with added content and whatnot? Well, I mean, the main characters are different, and uh, they're going through their journeys at the same time. But uh, the time frames are a bit skewed, I think. Like, I don't know what the exact uh, progression is, uh, depending on specific events. Like, uh, there's a point in the original, uh, the original Cyber Sleuth where uh, you get to a certain point about an hour in, I think, and uh, in Hacker's Memory, you get to that specific point at around the three-hour mark, I think. So, uh, I don't know. Time is a bit dodgy. It's quite a bit different. Time's a bit dodgy, but, uh, you know, there are some things that uh, you'll notice if you play the original. Hmm. But, uh, yeah, you pretty much use the Digimon programs to uh, solve min- a bunch of people's problems. They usually call into uh, your agency to uh, pretty much resolve a Digimon-related incident or just stupid shit like, uh, I want to know how to make friends, so give me, these- give me this book uh, to help me figure out how to do the thing. And, uh... Yeah, um, as for battles, I feel like it's probably the best part of the game. Because when you start the game, it gives you the option of uh, choosing one of three starter Digimon. Uh, It's different for each one. Uh, Ben, I will say this now. If you pick up the original Cyber Sleuth, it can start you out with Palmon. Yes! You'll be able to start out with Palmon right off the bat. Yes! Oh, and by the way... Isn't that the little fairy thing from Genshin Impact? Uh, no. It's no. A, it's a little, that's, it's that's, a little plant that uh, turns into a giant monster. punch cactus. And then a also flower. Also, not nearly as annoying. Not nearly as annoying. I know. It's Paimon. I was making a joke. Oh, okay. But anyway. There, a punch cactus sounds dope. Yeah, it, it's, kind, it's kind of ridiculous. A lot of these Digimon Tyler, designs are. what was its attack called in English when it would spin around and throw needles at you? Was it's, it Tornado? It's Needle Spray. Well... Needle, sp- needle spray! And it's still called that in the game. I'm pretty sure that's unchanged. Nice. nice. But, uh, yeah. Um, you start off with uh, one of three Mons. Uh, and uh, as you fight other Digimon as you progress through the game, or if you're grinding, you know, whichever comes first. Grinding is inevitable in this game. I'll say that right off the bat. Um, no! No! Hey man, the grind isn't as painful as you would think because Digimon actually <laughs> level up super fucking quickly. Like, uh, I'll get to Digivolving um, in a bit, but uh, as you fight Digimon, you pretty much scan their data, and if you fight them enough times, you'll have enough data so that you can convert them and have them added to your party. And you can have up to 11 Digimon in your party at a time, but... Uh, Three of them are always participating in battles. And uh, they all have different types, different attributes. Uh, there's, a, there's a weakness wheel going on uh, with, uh, between vaccine, data, and virus Digimon. So, and the way battles work is uh, they all function on this wheel. And as well as uh, the attributes like fire, light, darkness, whatever. 
And it's basically like Final Fantasy X, uh, the battle system, because you be- it's pretty much turn-based, and you have uh, the uh, prediction grid on the right, kind of like how X did. And it's all based on uh, the Digimon speed. So uh, if, you, uh, ha- if you boost their speed stats a whole bunch, it's possible for them to get more than one turn before your opponent does. So there is a bit of uh, strategy to all that. And a lot of Digimon have uh, generic elemental attacks, physical attacks um, that they can learn through uh, different forms and stuff. And they also have their own unique special moves, depending on the breed. Like, Agumon has his trademark Pepper Breath. Uh, uh, whatchamacallit? Palamon has the Poison Ivy. You know, all that stuff. They all have uh, their own strengths and weaknesses, but uh, every single breed does it excels at something. And none of the Digimon in this game, I feel, uh, are useless at all. Except the in-trainings, because, you know, that's a given. They're a bunch of blobs. They only shoot bubbles. What can you do? Bubble blast! <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, speaking of uh, Digimon forms, you can make your uh, you can make your Mons Digivolve, or Evolve, or Shinka, whichever you prefer. I don't know. Uh, and when your Mons uh, gain a specific level, or uh, have different numerical values to specific stats, they're eligible to uh, evolve into greater forms. And unlike Pokemon that has, like, a set evolution chain, Digimon can pretty much branch off into different evolutions. Like, say, Agumon normally digivolves in the Greymon, right? You know, makes sense. It's a big dinosaur that shoots fire. And in this game, if you don't want it to become a Greymon, you can make it, like, uh, I don't know, like, Growlmon or Tyranomon or something like that. In really? All- yeah. It's really Sweet. flexible, and... Uh, you can, and depending on uh, your mood or uh, or what's available to you in your current party, you can pretty much custom make your uh, entire party to be whatever you want at any given point. And I will say this: uh, if you do plan into, to get into these games, there is a hidden stat uh, called ABI, which pretty much increases when you evolve or devolve your mons. And in my first playthrough, I didn't know about this. Like, uh, I had a Metal Greymon up to the point where uh, Megas were going to be introduced. And I wanted it to become a War Greymon so that it'll be able to stack up to it, right? I didn't know about the ABI system. And uh, when it, it was at the specific level that it was going to be, all the stats met the criteria. But its ABI wasn't high enough. So I had to devolve my Metal Greymon into its weaker forms just so I can uh, raise its ABI enough so it can become a Mega uh, later on. Wow. So yeah, it is a bit annoying, and that's kind of where the grindiness comes in. But I think the battle system is simple enough that the grind isn't really painful. And it also helps that uh, every single Digimon levels up really quickly and the threshold for uh, digivolution isn't absurdly high unless you're going for like the royal knights or any of the seven deadly digimon or something like that but uh yeah uh yeah for this playthrough um 
I decided to name the main party members after all my friends. As I mentioned, Justin is Angemon. Uh, I basically made uh, Ben Lilymon, who just reached that point earlier this morning. And yes. uh, I pretty much made me Wargrowmon, because out of the three of us, I feel like I would be the virus of the group. And uh, it also helps that uh, its mega form is uh, Gallopmon, one of my all-time favorites. But it'll be a while before it gets to that point, because it's a royal knight, and it takes an absurd amount of ABI to reach that form. So, uh, yeah. It's been fun. Uh, I've been having a blast playing through uh, Hacker's Memory again. But other than that, I've just been playing a whole bunch of Yu-Gi-Oh!, uh, nothing new with that. Just been playing uh, Link Evolution and Real Life Duels. So, yeah, that's it for me. All right. Thank you, Tyler, for that. And kicking off my Digimon nostalgia. Good Lord. Yeah, I think it's available. Uh, I think it's on sale on the eShop now. I'll have to check. I have a whole bunch of other things playing, so if I buy it, I won't touch it for a while. Nice. Um, so, I've always uh, thought about it, but I don't understand Digimon, so I feel like I wouldn't get anything. It's basically it. Pokemon, except uh, the but evolutions cooler. are except the evolutions are much more flexible. Like, mm. not one Digimon is uh, specifically tied to an evolution line. You can make it whatever you want, and it's not tied to the cartoon, so there's no nostalgia outside of seeing the designs again. But if you don't. No, the designs. The attack like, oh, animations are still the same from the show, though. So there's that at least. That's neat. All right, I'll have to look into this. My, my nostalgia needs to be tickled. Um, but uh, I wanted to talk about one thing I forgot to talk about last week, uh, which is uh, when I got my new PC. Obviously, um, uh, I wanted to test it out, and I wanted the first the first game I obviously downloaded that I first came to have was Street Fighter Five, of course. But then I was like, you know what, I, I need to put it to the test. I need to see what it can kind of really do. And it's I don't even still think it's a litmus test. But I downloaded it. Xbox is so far only exclusive of this console generation, which is the medium. Because it's on Xbox PC Game Pass. Um, so, uh, yeah, I got that. And number it's a it's a viral horror game with fixed camera angles. I'm nobody's talking about nobody talked about it when it came out, and obviously with Resident Evil, I think with Resident Evil Eight kind of being in the atmosphere, I kind of wanted to play a, a spooky game. And uh, number one, it looks really nice, you know, smooth sixty FPS, very 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 cool looking game. Um, you play as uh, Miriam, who's a medium, which basically she can see uh, people as they just died and basically send them off to the afterlife. So. Um, uh, pretty much, it looks like it's going to follow in, like, basically, like, the Resident Evil, like, modern, modern Resident Evil, where you have puzzle elements that you do in the real world, and it kind of has, like, an inventory system, like the, like, like, RE2 and RE3 remake and RE7, and, it's, and even RE8, uh, even though this came before RE8, but you know what I mean, modern Resident Evil kind of inventory style, um, and combining stuff. Uh, the whole, I played the whole tutorial level, which is basically her preparing her father, or her surrogate father, uh, to be basically finalized, so he can be... Have, we can have his funeral. He's he's passed away. Uh, interesting note that if you scroll around a little bit, the game takes place in like early 1990. I'm assuming it's like 1992 because it talks about the fall of the Soviet Union. There's a reference. There's a letter uh, about Bill Clinton talking about it. So it's kind of cool. And I think you're taking place in Eastern Europe, and I'll get I'll get into exactly why. Um, but then you go down to the uh, to the morgue to basically put on like his his tie and his tie clip and everything like that as soon as that happens lights start to flicker shit starts happening what the fuck's going on you go out 
out of the out of the morgue, and then you see on the stairway, like this shadow thing, this humanoid thing shadow. You don't get a sense of what it is. But I'm like, what the fuck is that? So, but then you walk to it, it's nothing. So it's like it could have been the lights or something. But then you notice that somebody had uh, rummaged through her uh, surrogate father's office. She has a very tender moment where it seems like she can't control the powers. Um, it just happens. So, like, she, she's at her father's desk. And I think it's, like, triggered by a memory or something. Uh, or triggered by some strong presence. And so she basically... Uh, she goes into this other dimension. Um, or, I guess, in between dimension. She gets white hair. She gets these things in her arm. And she basically sees her surrogate father still working as if he's still alive. He thinks he's still alive. And he's basically trying to tell her, like, it's okay. You can stop. You don't need to. You don't need to do any more. Very, very sweet moment. And sends him off to the afterlife. Um, shortly after, she gets a call from this random stranger. You don't know who it is. It's like, I need your help. The darkness is coming. Yada yada yada. And she it's goes, All right, I'm gonna hang. Uh, I'm gonna. I'm gonna. I'm gonna hang up on you. And and then he says the one thing that gets her is that. And it's that it, it always starts with a girl running in the forest, right? And she says that because opening dialogue is she's uh, Miriam constantly has a dream. Of this girl running away from something, um, and but she doesn't know what it is, doesn't know what's going on, and uh, and like how else would you know that? So she gets on a bike, on her bike, she goes all the way to this uh, resort that's now been basically shut down, like it's all you know trees going over it, it's it's abandoned, and you know most of our horror games take place in the dark, with the exception of, like you know RE RE8 obviously has a lot of day sections where you it's you can see the sun. Uh, this game's opening area starts out in like a very creepy Eastern European forest. Like, you ever seen any videos of like? There's something real weird about Eastern European forests and like how there's there's something there, but you don't know what it is, and it's just unsettling. And to me, I think a good horror game really gets you when you can freak the player out in the daytime. And I had my Bluetooth headphones on, so I could hear everything. Um, and you try your first goal is basically is to get through this gate, um, but and you have to basically find a way around to get past it. But you can go into this little office room and see like the how the road continues, and you see this abandoned car, and you see this this thing, this person. I'm assuming it's a person just shuffling along the road. I'm like, what? What is that? And like you know, she's calling out to him, but he it's just calling out to that person, but doesn't know. So you go on a little bit. You're walking through the forest and like. It, it does a nice job of, like, telling you you're on a linear path, but still making it look open. It, it, the game is obviously very, very uh, linear. Um, but that, that's that's besides the point. So, it looks like the game is going to be... this, And this is coming up... This is the gimmick of the game. Uh, now, Miriam will, like, I guess th- during points, her powers will trigger. And so, basically, it how to solve puzzles is one side will be doing in the spiritual world to grab one thing that will activate something on her end. That seems to be the gist of it. And also the frame rate gets cut in half because it's split screen. So it's fine. Obviously, you know, that would like, I don't think that's just a PC thing. I just think that's probably like what they had to do to get it to run. Uh, like even probably on console, it'll probably drop like the 30 frames per second, but I still think it looks like a nice game. I'm looking to play more. Um, I just, I need to play it at night. And when I play it at night, I'm tired, so like it's just trying to find time to continue with it more. But I was definitely very impressed. Um, outside of that, so is it like the whole game isn't split screen then? 
No, no. It's only during specific moments, and I've only okay. encountered the first one. So it looks because, like I said, her, her, her. She, she, you can't turn on and off her powers. They kind of just happen. Gotcha. Um. So yeah, we'll see how it goes. I'm interested to see what the story is. And the game, I'm told, is not long. It's like seven to ten hours, which is which is good because I definitely want to play it uh, more. Um. No combat yet. Uh. I think there will be combat, but I don't. Nothing. Nothing got into it yet. Um. Besides so I that, watch a walk, I meant to watch a playthrough of that, and I didn't. I didn't think about it, and then I was finding Resident Evil Eight, and so I never got back to it. But I'll, maybe I'll do that next. Yeah. Um. Besides that, um. What else have I been playing? Playing Monster Hunter as usual. Playing with Thomas and everything. That game is still going, going very, very well. Uh, we hit the point where like now every all the new armor and weapons are we hit that point, but now they cost an absurd amount of money. I'm like, oh god, this is this is the grind. This is Monster Hunter. We've officially made it. Uh, the game is still fun, though. Um, and I've learned that, yes, you can do Hub Quest by yourself. Because uh, while Thomas and I only play it once a week, I'll still occasionally on my mornings, on my days off, I'll play, like, do a couple of hunts I've already done before. Just to pack some monsters up and get some experience and stuff like that on the side. While I slowly build my way up to the next rank. We currently hit rank 5. And we're we're making our way to rank 6. So we're, get, we're getting there. We're slowly getting there. You know, so... That's that's a lot of fun. Um, besides that, uh, Pokemon Snap has definitely leaned towards more of the I really like this game progression <laughs> system. Progression problems aside, uh, and that, again, that's a uh, in my opinion, that's a minor thing. Um, my God, every time I think this game can't wow me with how it presents Pokemon, it surprises me so. I managed to... I don't think I talked about it last time, but I managed to unlock the beach level um, and then the reef level and then, like, the deep sea level, uh, which is easily, so far, my favorite stages of the game. I've... I've Since now, today, I've unlocked the volcano stage and the uh, elsewhere forest. Still nothing beats the beach. I think it's because I just love the water and I love water Pokemon. Um, but... Oh my god, my favorite part is that I managed to unlock the alternate path for the reef stage, which is like basically shallow water, but uh, after you get the Illuminorb, uh, if you hit a Clawitzer, um, is it Clawitzer? Yeah, Clawitzer, which I didn't think to see that thing again, uh, he'll crash up on a rock, and that'll lead you down. At first I thought, okay, it's going to take me here, and then we're going to go back to the stage. Like, no, you go further down. You go to the ocean floor of this place. And, like, I was taking pictures, like, there's this lumen, you can see these lumen flowers throughout the stage, and you, you can light them up, and something's going to react to them. So I saw it, and I'm like, okay, I light it, I lit it up, and all these, uh, I can't remember what, what fish Pokemon were, I think it was Love Disc or something. They all hover around it, and all of a sudden, as I'm taking the pictures, fucking Frillfish flies up, like, oh shit! Got legit scared, um, and this is, and, but it's just dancing, which is also, it's also kind of odd, because it's, of course, the ghost fish Pokemon scares the shit out of me. But then you're on the ocean floor and you see that bug Pokemon from Gen Seven. I can't remember its name, but the one that has to retreat if you if it gets uh, if you get it to a ha- uh, its HP to half life. I can't uh, remember its name. Goliascopod, I think his name is. Oh yes, yeah, yeah the Goliascopod. Yeah, that big ass motherfucker. Um, yeah, it's so cool. It's it's legit. It's also legit creepy because like I started getting anxious because like you can't you can't really see much in the deep depths of the ocean. But all the Pokemon are generally friendly. Um, uh, and then I unlocked the aluminum spot for the deep sea. That, oh my god. That's easy. It's like, even though the first instance is 
so it is just one Pokemon. I love it so much because of what it does. So your first Lumen Spot is is against Meganium. It's very cool. Like okay, very like a bigger version of it. This one it's Wishy Washy, which I think that's such a a cool idea for a Pokemon. Uh, at first you'll see a whole bunch of Wishy Washy, and they're scared like they're scared little shits. And then it all you'll see if you I think if you either hit them with balls or it naturally happens, they'll go away. And it comes back all of a sudden, and it does the thing like it simult. And I tell this to Justin in our Discord. It simultaneously freaked me out and wowed me at the same time because all of a sudden you're looking forward, right? And like there's nothing here, and you can see the the complete form wishy washy where he looks like a giant whale come at you. It's like called the school form. The school form, exactly. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. Um, you can see it come at you, like, vaguely, and it's like, oh, shit! And it's just, like, just swimming around you, like, this big, oh, my God, it's so cool. And if you throw aluminum orbs at it, it, like, gets, like, this cool green markings. Man, like, everything I'd want in this game is, is coming true. Like, like, the animations are beautiful, just, again, I think it's just my fascination, people's fascination with zoos and, like, like just seeing Pokemon in their somewhat what we would perceive to be their natural habitat, it's such a beautiful image. Um, God, God damn! It's I, I and I know I looked it up. I know there's an ice level, so that got me really excited. So I'm gonna do everything I can to get that fucking ice level. Um, I don't know how you get oh, yeah, it. I guess it is after the water. Okay. So um, yeah, like yeah. I said, the last thing I did was unlock the uh, the Bloomin' spot. But I've since then I've gotten level three on some of my other spots. Uh, on some of the other ones, I've unlocked the the research camp, which is a, a destination you can do. Which I felt like, wow, why did I unlock that earlier? But it was still pretty cool nonetheless. Um, oh god, like every time, like every time I think, uh, I got the um, the slacking. I think that's his name, the big giant gorilla that's sleeping in the second yeah, area. I, yeah, yeah, I got him to wake up. He does this cool like, and he goes back to sleep. Um, is god, this game. This game is ridiculous again. It's the little it's, things. Yeah, it, it really is. And it, doing all that made me not care about how slow the progression is. Because it made me just want to go back. Because there's a point in the volcano stage where I saw... I think it's Vachinder. I can't remember which one it is. Uh, the bird Pokemon from Gen 6. Yeah. I just saw it flung through. I'm like, I missed it! So that means I gotta go back and play it. But I don't mind that. Mm-hmm. There was a point in that when you go to the volcano stage... Uh, you can see a fucking Tyranitar chase after this poor Inferno. I'm like, no! Leave him alone, Tyranitar you monster! So cool. Oh, yeah. dude, it's it's so intimidating it's in this one. Yeah, this... And the Volcano Stage, even when I got to level 2, it naturally goes down a different path. Like, not mm-hmm. even a day-night cycle, which I thought was cool. Like, they put a lot of effort into this. Like, you can tell. And um, I love that new area you go into. It's so cool looking. Yeah, it's, it's, it's ridiculous. Um... Yeah, I'm trying to think of what else. If I've you played. want to know more about the game, we do have a review video up on the on the website. Watch yes, it is so Justin good. Did, it's did, Justin did a extremely extremely well done job with that. Um, besides that, that I actually want to talk about. Oh yeah, I'll I'll wrap it up with this. Uh, I beat Rise of the Tomb Raider uh, this past week, uh, concluding the second game. I still need to beat the Croft Manor DLC, which kind of adds more mystery to. Like, you learn more about her father that way. I still really like the game. Like, I don't understand... Maybe it might, maybe this is my perception of people had of the game, but I feel like people hated on this game way too much when it came out or just didn't talk about it enough. But it's it's a... Well, number one, it's a beautiful-looking game. Number two, it's... 
took what was already good in the first game and just literally did what a good sequel did and expanded upon it. I still love the story. Uh, uh, like it, it kind of blends that myth and reality to in, in one, like that the classic Tomb Raiders did. Um, I like the whole struggle with everything of like this 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 secret uh, force that's trying to capture the secret from immortality. It's really great. The final the whole final set piece where you're basically uh, in this ancient city and you're fighting these. D- thousands of year old dead like immortal guards and like byzantine uh armor uh you get to use a fucking trebuchet multiple times to open up a ca- like an ancient castle gate uh like it's just such a cool like very very cool set pieces um so i'm really curious about rise uh of the uh, or shadow of the tomb raider shadow. uh sorry the naming convention should have really have been changed <laughs> in all honesty yeah um they, I'm sorry. They should they, the naming convention should have really been changed. But I'm really curious well. There's about a that reason game. the third one's called Shadow. I, I I'd imagine. But when I as as somebody who has not played that game, when I look at it, I'm like, you should have been called Shadow because she's living her father's shadow, who was a Tomb Raider before her. And Rise should have been the third game because this is where she becomes like the real Tomb Raider. That's just me. But I'll probably yes. figure out why it's called Shadow. I mean, the, look at look at the logo. I haven't seen like, not to look at. That's what I'm just what I'm. I did, like. I understand why, but from when I just that's why I confuse because it, it feels like it should be reversed. But either way, I'll report. I'll probably start. I'll probably take a small break before I jump into Shadow, just because I'm too enamored with Pokemon Snap right now. Uh oh yeah, one minor mention. Uh, I uh, streamed the Mass Effect uh, Legendary Collection last night. I started Mass Effect One, and it was a. I, I, I said this to Thomas, I said this to Justin, but I only streamed for three hours last night, which is longer, an hour longer than what I normally do. Um, and I easily could have streamed that game for like six hours. I'm not even joking with Ooh. you. I When I hit the stop button, I was like, fuck, did I really, I really want to just, I just wanted to keep playing the game. <laughs> it's number one, video, like graphic. I didn't know, really look into a lot of much what they were doing with the Legendary Collection, but I, ha- I figured, okay, if, if, EA fucks up this collection. I'm gonna hear about it on Twitter, whether I want it or not, whether I want to or not. But number one, Mass Effect One obviously is the one I'm curious about because that was the one that had honestly pro- okay problematic. The first game is very hard to get into from a control standpoint and everything. God, number one, aiming feels so much better in this one. They fixed it. It still has the uh, the heating system of the first one. But it feels much more manageable because you actually can aim, so you're not wasting your heat button. And I tested it out this out immediately because if you've ever played the first one, uh, you can equip all the weapons, um, or at least I can because I played the the soldier class because I'm I'm a basic boring bitch. Um, uh, if you ever you equip the sniper, the sniper would always like kind of move around a lot and it would be impossible to aim. Um, versus, uh, in this one, it was steady as hell. I'm like, hell yes, this is what I want. And, of course, like, the good voice acting, the good world building, just so... It was honestly like coming home again with this playing the first game again. That's what it felt like. And, oh my god, I'm so looking forward to streaming this game on Twitch and to, like, to see the different, um... To show like why I love this series so much. Obviously, I'm not the only one, and I'm seeing like people on Twitter talk about like how they're playing like this for the first time, and I'm really glad because just because of the changes to one, uh, it, it's going to be great. Um, 
Oh, it's good to have it back. I, I don't like. I said this on my stream yesterday, but I don't know if this means we're going to get a new Mass Effect game or not. But I don't really care. I'm not really thinking about that right now. I'm just. They I already just... announced a new one. Well, there was a, like a teaser trailer for it. Yeah, you know how plans can change. I forgot about that. Um, you know how EA is. But like, I don't. But the point is, regardless of what happens with the future of Mass Effect, I have this collection, so that that's that's good. Um, Are you gonna punch the reporter? Our. Tune into my fucking stream and find out is my answer. <laughs> okay, and that's not till the second game, I think. So you got that's no, you a long way to find too. Uh, from what I've seen, I don't remember doing that in the first one, but I guess I'll take your word for it. Um, all right, that's gonna do it for that sec- this part of the show. We're gonna take a quick ad break, and uh, and when we come back, we'll be discussing the news. See y'all in a bit, dudes. News. Hello everybody, welcome to the news segment of the Charshot Games Cast. Alright, we got a healthy bit of news this time around. Starting with my favorite monster is in a game that I don't want to play. Godzilla is in the mobile version of PUBG. This made me uh, so happy just because I knew you would have to talk about it. Godzilla Kong and Mechagodzilla, which I guess that's not a spoiler right now, games movies been out for a month now, arrive in PUBG's mobile version update, or version 1.4, which also brings the microcosm gameplay, a new vehicle, hangar, which is a new area of the map, beginning on June 1st, and more. Uh, there's even a trailer, if you check the link on the, uh, on the, on the site, it's a cinematic trailer. Uh, don't really see much, other than... Uh, you kind of get it. it looks like the new area. You do get to see Kong, which, you know, it's a lot of shadows because, you know, not going to show him off his full glory. And you just see Godzilla, which is, you know, it's the, it's the mo- movie Monster vs. Godzilla. Pretty cool. So, yeah. Um, this, why? Why? Toho, seriously? This, this fucking game? This, you gonna, this? You going to play PUBG Mobile? No. No. Nobody wants to no. play with their pube. Fortnite I mean, I is thought, right I, there. I Fortnite is right there. You know how cool it would have been? Like, we had the Galactus event where everybody teamed to fight Galactus. We could have done that with Godzilla. Everybody teams up to take down Godzilla. No, we gotta put... We got we, we gotta sign some deal with public unknown battle shit. We gotta put that game. Are you kidding me? This, this literally... Oh, it hurts for me to read this. I'm sorry. Just yeah. like... I hate it. They couldn't get that Fortnite money, so they had to go to the next. Like, Which, granted, PUBG Mobile is still a very big deal. Like, this isn't, like, the, you know, the knockoff or anything. But it is a bit of a slap in the face when, like you said, Fortnite's right there. Fortnite right there! You have all these uh, pop culture icons right there. Godzilla and Kong belong in that game. Hell, who knows? They could easily show up in the game later on. Um, they probably could. Oh, my God. Damn it! I hate it. I hate it so much. Not even a gameplay trailer, just a, a cinematic trailer. I do kind of want to see what this is, though. Like, is it just those two fighting in the background of the map while you do your thing? Because that would be lame. It it it's. I mean, it's PUBG, so it's gonna be lame. It's improved. I mean, you get. It's no Fortnite, but it's gotten better. Okay, I'll have to take your word for that, Buck Buckaroo. Like, when I was looking up mobile games, it was, like, up there. Like, in the top five most played, that's, most downloaded. Like That's because Gen Z has nothing better to do. That's all that is. 
Well, yeah, I'm just saying, like, PUBG and Fortnite are neck and neck. Like, you might not like it, but it's it's still a big deal. Uh, well, crazy that it somehow still is. You figure uh, you figured that Fortnite would have just crushed their company, their uh, crushed event, but I guess it's not. It's I guess not. Um, yeah. You think the free to play company with all these exclusive, not exclusive characters, but like the fact that they get sending so many like new skins and like celebrity skins stuff like that would be over, but not. Uh, Tyler, anything else you want to you want to add to the Godzilla being in, in this 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 game? Uh, I never really kept up with uh, PUBG mm. or any of these battle royale type of games, but it is cool that uh, we're seeing Godzilla and Kong in a video game. Like as you've been saying before, Toho needs to make a giant uh, kaiju uh, fighting game. I would definitely oh. still love to see that. I forgot to mention. Have you seen that? There's a new Godzilla game coming to mobile. There's, oh really? It ugh. looks ass. The oh, other, no. all the Godzilla mobile games that have been on there have been ass. So I'm not surprised. It's like cutesy. Yeah, it's it's like a chibi art style. It, I don't under. Yeah, it's bad. They should do what they be it's... doing with uh, the Fist of North Star mobile game and make it look like the source material. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, well, speaking of celebrities making cameras in other games, we officially have a trailer for Chun-Li in Power Rangers Battle for the Grid. Yes. Uh, so, um, yeah, we already talked about Ryu being it, uh, and now we get to see Chun-Li. And Chun-Li has always had a history of being crazy in these versus games. And this trailer is no exception. Uh, if you're watching the trailer, you're going to see the dirtiest moment ever at about 16 seconds in, where Chun-Li tags in Ryu, Ryu does a Hadouken, Chun-Li then goes, does like a move that goes behind Lord Zed, and basically, welcome to Mix-Up City, ladies and gentlemen. Um, pure nastiness, speed over, com- like doing standing heavy kick into spinning bird kick resets. Chun-Li is going to be nuts. Uh, there's one yeah. moment where she does a fireball, lands on it, and it continues the combo. God, I, I already know my team. When I pick this game back up, it's gonna be uh the purple the the tiger range the the purple tiger ranger, uh, who's basically Sagat because he has low fi- low fireball and high fireball. Ryu and Chun Li. It's gonna I'm gonna be Team Street Fighter uh or Team Street Fighter uh in that's Marvel vs. Capcom style in this game. Oh my god. Yeah, man, Chun Li looks really fucking nuts in this game. They really went all in uh with uh all the shit she can do here. Yeah, they went all in on her thighs too. I mean, they well, have. I mean, they have nasty. to. It's part of her design. Right. Yeah. Uh, also, I do like her c- class of '93 costume, where she looks like a uh, teenager from 1993. Um, so good. So that looks. Yeah, but I still think her blue. I think it's blue. Blue Phoenix Ranger. Uh, mm-hmm. It's original design as a Power Rangers costume. God, I'm just getting this trailer again. It's so fucking. Oh my god, my girl is in this game. My girl might not be in Smash. But she's going to be duking it out with some Power Rangers, uh, so that's going to be cool. Um, also, shout-outs to whoever said, yes, we're going to bring back the uh, the Yata dance from Street Fighter 2, 3, and 4 back in this game. Because she does not have that in Street Fighter 5. And yeah, dope uh, remix of her theme. Uh, dope remix of bringing uh, her theme and the Power Rangers theme weaving it together. Some of them for you. Uh, Justin, are you going to be my punching dummy when Chun-Li and Ryu come out? I mean, not when you say it like that. I mean, I'd rather be honest. I would love to fight against you in this game again, my dude. 
Okay, we can take turns beating Justin. Awesome. Maybe maybe we can do another fight night. That was pretty fun. That yeah. was. Yes, it was. All right, we should schedule that. All right, uh, but do you have anything to say on it in, in any more, Justin? Are you going to pick a battle for the grid? Which on the not sure it's great. I, I mean, I'm not going to, like, it's on Game Pass, so I'll play it, but I'm not going to buy any characters or anything for it. Darn shame, because right. Lauren Sheba is one of my favorites. The Red Samurai Ranger. Yeah. All right. So, um, as one character is added to a franchise, Sony wants to add a whole bunch of franchises to its console that you cannot currently buy. I thought that was a pretty good segue. PlayStation 5 is working on 25 PS5 games. Half are new franchises. I feel like this article comes out at the beginning of every um, console generation. Uh, PlayStation Studio head Herman Holtz says there are more than 25 PlayStation 5 games in development, half of which are new IP. As reported by Wired, Hollis said uh, PlayStation Studios, which is compromised studios like uh, Gorilla Games, Night Dog, Insomniac, um, you know, of course, repeating the same information. Um, this doesn't mean that, that there are 25 first-party games in the work of PlayStation Studios. Games like Sackboy, Big Adventure, and Returnal were both published under PlayStation Studios' banner, but were developed by studios not owned by Sony, Sumo Digital, and Housemark in their in this instance, respectively. This is exciting, nonetheless, for anyone wondering what Sony's up to beyond Ratchet Clank, A Rift in Part, which sits released next month, as talked about by Justin. Some of the titles have been revealed, such as Guerrilla Horizons Forbidden West, supposedly coming out this year, or uh, even Santa Monica's God of War Ragnarok, which has just been discussed at all. Um, beyond those three titles, the rest of the PlayStation Studios is up to Insomniac is literally uh, working on a full-price Spider-Man sequel. Nine Dog is already chipping away at the remake of The Last of Us, reported, rumored, and multiplayer and multiplayer games set in the world of The Last of Us. All right, twenty-five, twenty-five quarter. So, I mean, presumably we will get. I mean, I, I doubt you know there's twenty-five games coming this year or anything. But no. presumably we'll get twenty-five first-party games over the course of the PS5 life cycle. Like, because like you said, with a lot of times this comes out at the beginning of every console generation. But it gives us an idea of what, like, how many games we're going to get during that console's life. So, obviously, there's going to be third-party titles and whatnot. But I would see this as 25 games in development as first-party titles for PlayStation. Not necessarily from PlayStation Studios. their studios, but things that are going to be exclusive to PS5. I would say that's fair. Um, and I would say, you know, obviously every new console generation, we're definitely going to have new franchises. Returnal, obviously, is the big new one for PlayStation uh, that's firing on all cylinders, with the exception of some minor problems. Um, the, the, here's the problem, though. Will you actually be able to buy PS5 before any of these games come out? That is yeah, the true I mean, question. Two out, of, two out of three of us already have one, so that's pretty good odds. Play with no limits, us, unless yes. the consoles are limited. Yes. Yeah. I, there was I mean, a report saying that shortages will probably continue into next year. So, I mean, you know, take that for what you will. Well, maybe if you crypto clowns wouldn't stop fucking doing that shit, we would have these consoles. Hey, I'm just saying. Okay. Yeah. Uh, um, take your dog money and leave. <laughs> no, seriously, stop. You're hurting the environment. Stop it. Um, anyways... Uh, so yeah, I, I obviously won't be getting a PS5 for a long time, probably at the end of its life cycle when we head into the PlayStation 6. Kind of um, like me and the Xbox so. One. 
And the Xbox, exactly. Same. So, I'll, I'll, but hey, you know, I think it's great if you're a PlayStation 5 owner that they obviously, right out of the gate, want to commit to something. Um, I think that's really, really cool. Uh, but, uh, any, sp- okay, let's, let's play this game real quick. What's a franchise that's an existing PlayStation franchise that you may not be exclusive to Sony, but you associate with Sony that you want to see on the PS5? Jack and Daxter. Mm. Mm. That's pretty good. That is a good Especially one. with Ratchet and Clank getting a resurgence, I could see that happening. That would um, have an actual crossover between the two. Like, don't have that uh, weird uh, move nonsense for the PlayStation 3. I mean, it's a controversial opinion, but I think a, a PlayStation All-Stars sequel could be really cool. I could see like, that. Speaking of crossovers, um, because clearly it was mishandled. Yeah. And that studio was gone now. If, you know, if you've seen uh, uh, Matt McMuscles, what happened on that game. But, like, there were some strong ideas there, and they have a better library of characters than ever. So I think that's something they could try again. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, I don't know if that's a serious answer. But obviously I want more Spider-Man. Well, that's that's guaranteed. That's like, that's like that you're gonna get it. It's just you gotta wait. Uh, yeah. I'm gonna go with Tomba for the PlayStation Ooh. 1. Bring him back for the PS5. Oh, yes. I haven't heard that name We need forever. more 2D platforming games, and why not? Like They'd probably turn it 3D, though. Well, two point five D. I don't care. That, yeah. That's a that's a reach. Okay, fine. Spyro. Does that count? I mean, it went to Nintendo. No, I mean, it counts, but the, I would say the. Well, yeah, no, no. I would I would allow it because unlike Crash, who got a new game, Spyro has not got a new game. He probably won't get a new game because of what's happened recently. Right. So, there was the trilogy, yeah. but then nothing else after. Yeah. Like the yeah. trilogy didn't spark a new game. Yeah. I, I would. <laughs> I would. Sparks. I would, well, it's because the first one's not a good game. Oh, um, it's true. And and uh, I will say, yeah, Spyro counts. It'd be good to see that purple bitch again. I'd like to see a new Spyro do, game, do, honestly. Do a do an like like you were loading with the jacket with Jack and Daxter and um, Ratchet and Clank. Fucking do an actual Spyro, a good because I know the GBA games exist, but do a good version of Spyro and Crash teaming together. Like, just don't oh, have a okay. mishmash of mini-games like those games are. And don't make them side-scroller. That was weird. Yeah. Well, it was on the GBA. What are you going to do? I mean, the top-down isometric Spyro games were great. Okay. I'll take your word so for that. So just do that. Okay. Yeah. So, so there you go. Spyro, Tomba, and um, uh, Jack and Daxter. There you go. No Sly Cooper. No Sly Cooper love here. Uh, that's eh, interesting. I haven't really I never played, played Sly Cooper either. Yeah, when's that movie coming out? When's Plus, that movie I mean, we're getting like my oh my, my god, pick, I forgot the Clank, movie was a but... thing. Yeah, wait, what? There's a slide. They teased the Sly movie like five years ago. There's a teaser trailer and everything. Oh, nothing happened from it since. I mean, I imagine once the Ratchet and Clank movie failed, they probably scrapped it. Probably yeah, that right. Okay, so going from one uh, company that holds Dream. dormant IPs <laughs> to another company. That has dormant IPs. Sega is considering revitalizing some of their classic Sega! IPs. Um, Tyler, do me a favor. Over dub Justin over with the actual 16-bit Sega because that would be pretty cool to hear it coming out wow. of his mouth. Yes, sir. 
It'd be wow. cool. Why? It's it's like if you're gonna do it, I nailed to... that, sir. Yeah, he did. No, actually. no. Number one, nobody nails it because you can't replicate that because it's chip tune. Um, I wouldn't even nailed it. Okay, so like, I'm available if you want to redo it. <laughs> uh, you can do the you can do the intense 2000 scream. Sega, you can do that one. There you go. Sega, Sega. All right, uh, a financial represent- result presentation that has revealed that Sega's considering reboots of Crazy Taxi, yes. which would be called Uber now, <laughs> Jet Set Radio, and other yeah. IP. While it became while it begins working on a super game, uh, it marked the end of the fiscal year. Published by Sega Sammy Investor Relations website today, the slideshow includes a number of interesting details about the company's future plans. One slide uh, concerns the utilization of IP. Uh, assets, noting which IPs are active and dormant, and how Sega plans to remaster, remake, or reboot its older series to capitalize on the globally recognized IP it has in its vaults. Uh, a number of old fan favorites franchises are mentioned in the IP grouping, including Crazy Taxi, Jet Set, Nadio, Knights, Space Channel 5, okay. Choo yeah. Choo, Panzer, Drag- Panzer Dragoon, and Pants Rez. Dragon. Uh, and the very least, this suggests that the company is interested in bringing some of those games back uh, while to market while strengthening its active IPs such as Yakuza, Persona, and Sonic. Um, this presentation I forget all- Persona Sega. That's so weird. Yes, because they bought Atlas, but it's whatever. Right. Um, the presentation also mentions Sega's five-year plan to what it, what it calls a super game. What un- what while unclear exactly what that term implies, Sega says it's mainly making uh, focused investment in the project aims to have released by its 2026 financial oh, year. Damn. As well, it's a super game, so I imagine it's going to it's going to be the dream crossover game we always wanted. Probably. As well Sega as Sega Smash Bros. Uh, they, are, they they already made that for the Sega Saturn. It's called uh, Five Years Mega Mix. Um, as well as turning its existing active IPs into global brands, the company wants to create new IPs which can be expanded globally, but which it doesn't uh, expect to be immediately uh, highly profile, uh, profitable. No details were given on which the Sega Studios would make the game, nor what kind of game it would be. All right, so somebody at Sega was like, "Hey, these things are just sitting here. We should do something with them." Um, and obviously, we've seen Sega have success with other developers uh, work on IP. Obviously, Christian Whitehead's team making revitalizing Sonic with Sonic Mania, yet stupidly not greenlighting a Sonic Mania two for some reason. Whatever. Um, yeah. And of course, the the rise of the Yakuza series is just like a thing nobody saw coming. Um, and of course the remake of Panzer Dragoon and the upcoming Panzer Dragoon's Way and of course the success of Streets of Rage 4 uh, and of course the Wonder Boy series has been getting a lot of love from different developers so they're aware but it looks like they're they're finally starting to see that hey people want our games and maybe we should do something about that which is that's all I've been people been asking uh, no Scars of Arcadia though and um no, um, oh God, what is the, there's another RPG series that Sega is known for. It was made by the Golden Sun team before they did Golden Sun. Uh, is uh, it Shining Force? Yeah, Shining Force. So no, so if you love Shining Force, uh, none of that, there's no mention of that there, and there's no mention of the other one. Uh, so yeah, uh, I, please, please make another Knights game, because after Balan died, I, I need something. Just give, give me Knights, damn it. Uh I want Jet Set Radio. I'm already excited for that, like you know, spiritual like sequel. that uh, that spiritual successor, yeah, thing that's coming out. 
So yeah, give me more Jet Set Radio. Wasn't there a leak for a new Virtua Fighter uh, being worked on? There, yes, that, that was not mentioned here oddly enough. But there is, they've talked about Virtual Credit Cross Esports. Uh, basically, they would be porting the uh, final f- final Showdown Edition, which came out in two thousand nine, to PS four. Oh, cool. No word on other. No, no. It just, or rather, it um, it showed up on like I can't remember what exactly what it was, but so that may be that may already be a thing that's happening. Uh, so who knows? And that could lead to a new proper, like an actual Virtual Fighter six versus a re-release of a virtual virtual fighter 5 but virtual fighter 5 still looks fine so it looks like sega is again waking kind of waking up a little bit yeah uh we were re-watching um josie and the pussycats over the weekend which holds up by the way um and it had a lot of like you know that that whole movie is like hyper stylized like corporate america and so like clearly one of the sponsors was uh was sega and there were like Space Channel Five standees and ads and stuff all over the place. Nice, really. And like that's the first time I remember that game existing. Like it was not good. It was of its time. It was fun with the game. Space it's, Channel it's... Five is rad. Yeah, Michael Jackson's in the first one, isn't he? Uh, he's in the second one. Uh, he was supposed to be in the first one, but uh, I think uh, he, uh, due to time constraints, he wasn't able to make the first one. But he yeah. was able to do the second one because he really loved the idea of like a dancing game like that, and he and he was already pretty close to Sega at the time, uh, working yeah. on the Sonic Three soundtrack before that went fell through. Yeah, I mean it would probably be better with motion controls, but like as a Dreamcast game, it didn't really work. It was it, similar to a lot of Sega's ideas? It was ahead of its time. Yep. Yep. All right. Well, let's hope it comes like I, as you guys know, I'm a huge Sega fan. Um, love, love, like, even though I, when I started in the show, I was, like, mostly n- known as, like, the Nintendo person, but, like, Sega was always right, probably just above them in terms of their core gameplay experiences. Um, and of course, they got Fantasy, Fantasy Star Online, which is still, like, at least outside of America, because we never had it till recently. Probably, right, all, it probably doesn't come close to FF14, but that's, like, the second biggest thing you're gonna have, find in, like, MMOs in terms of, like, mainstream appeal. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, Sega definitely has something. Um, but let's see what comes next. But this is where now we get to the point where uh, video gamers are going to be mad about an important shit and should be mad at other important shit. So it's been revealed to no surprise that the upcoming Bethesda game, Starfield, the game that we've been hearing about for, what, eight years? Maybe longer? Ten years? How long has it been that long? Okay, it's been, I feel like it's been a while. That Starfield has been officially confirmed to be both PC exclusive, of course, and Xbox console exclusive. Which Oof. means, if you bought a PS5 thinking, hey, Star, I'm going to be able to play Starfield on this PS5. Why? I'm touching my comic books because I don't have a PS5. Um, yeah, that ain't going to happen. You better pony up money for an Xbox. Um, so, yeah. Uh, that's according to Game Beats journalist Jeff Grubb, who wrote on Friday, Starfield is exclusive to Xbox and PC, P- uh, PC, period. This is me confirming that. Speaking in a live stream video, the prominent uh, games industry reporter went on to state that he believed the title would appear at E3 next month and likely to release in 2022. Uh, of course, Starfield is the next big RPG uh, from the uh, from uh, Bethesda. Originally um, announced in June 2018. God, it feels so much longer than that. COVID really fucked up the timeline. Um, yeah. 
Nothing has been set since uh, since and at e at 2019 E3 show. The game's director asked fans to be very patient in regards to the unveiling of Starfield. The release plans for this software, uh, of course, this goes into more of like the uh, Zenimax acquisition uh, everything like that. So, um, so yeah, we knew it was bound to happen. That existed that Xbox Microsoft I or Bethesda IPs would become Xbox console exclusives, and gamers are mad. Why are you mad? You knew this was going to happen, so I'm going to tell you, you PlayStation whiners, what you told Xbox fans for years. Buy the fucking system. Or buy a PC. One or the other. Well, they said that they already announced they would assess titles on a game-by-game basis, whether they'll be exclusive or not. So, like, this isn't new news. It's just confirmation of what everyone was afraid of. Which stupid. Yeah. Yeah. The the question is, uh, how many bugs are we going to find on launch day? Because you know that's going to be inevitable. Yeah, Bethesda, that's no avoiding that. Okay. But it'll be bugs in space. Yes. Uh, Who knows? Uh, That's new. I will say, hopefully something does get shown next year, or th- next month. God, I can't believe fucking E3 is less than three weeks away. Holy shit. Uh, yeah. I, gotta do, I gotta do fucking prep. Oh my god. Um, yeah, we gotta do all our E3 coverage. That's gonna be a lot. Ugh, <laughs> oh god. Oh, uh, no. Thomas! Thomas, come back, you're, please! <laughs> yeah, your first year doing that. Oh no! Okay, um, okay. I'm so, just yeah. gonna slide in and have fun. Yeah, alright, so, um... As I contemplate running this website and just letting it burn now, because I don't want to do anything with E3. And okay, anyways, we'll, we'll cross that bridge when we get there. Uh, let's take it down a bit because the next topic we're going to be ending the show on, or not ending the show on, but ending the new segment on, is a little bit more serious. Um, and I need, to, I need to set the context. I understand people come to this show or listen to the video games podcast to escape the real world around us, because Lord knows this, we all do. Sometimes you cannot escape the real world, and sometimes you have to confront the real world and accept what's going on right now. So, um, recently, over the past uh, week, two weeks, um, there uh, conflict has been rising between uh, both uh, the Palestine, Palestine and Israeli, uh, and the IDF, or the Israeli Defense Force, or the Israeli government, and basically, Israel, and this is me saying it, Israel has has been committing attacks, uh, atrocities against the Palestinian people and uh, the people of Palestine. Um, uh, they have uh, shot. They have shot IDF missiles at their homes. They have killed children. Um, it is a very. It, they're basically committing war crimes. And unfortunately, the United States government and governments all over the world are siding with Israel because the world is wrapped up in this weird love of, hey, it's Israel, so we gotta support Israel because it's the birth lord of, it's the birthplace of Jesus Christ. Um, and, um, yeah, so it's it's a very, it's, it, it, and you can say some people it's a complicated issue. It's, I see it as, you know, like you could say, oh, Palestine's doing this. Stuff. I see Israel murdering people with their advanced weaponry versus uh, Palestine defending its people uh, as they were it's a very heavy issue um, I encourage everybody to read into this topic because the world is watching um, and Israel uh, what Israel's doing is an act of is an atrocity I'm sorry it's kind of hard to talk about it especially considering just past this past week Israel uh, bombed or destroyed 
uh, Al Jazeera building, which is a new a news outlet in in Palestine, destroyed, oh. is gone. Um, so this, of course, has a lot of a lot of people taking up uh, on Twitter uh, with the hashtag Free Palestine. Um, uh, IGN uh, America um, actually posted a tweet um, about basically we support Palestine. Um, and, um, and here, uh, this goes into more detail, uh, following the most recent set of violent military strikes by the Israel Defense Force that have leveled entire buildings in Gaza, uh, left over 180 Palestinians dead. IGN posted an article linked to a ver- uh, variety of Palestinian charities and even gave a Palestinian flag prominence in its masthead. Sometime earlier today, all of that content along with the tweet promoting that post was removed with no indication as to why or, or if it will be republished at a later date. Shortly after IGN, the post went live yesterday. IGN Israel, which I had no idea there was an IGN Israel, uh, shared a statement on social media accounts owned by IGN, IGN Israel, stating that it condemned the U.S.'s IGN article and tweeted supporting Palestinian charities. At this time, it's unknown if IGN's parent company, Ziv Davis, demands this content be removed or the content was removed for another reason. As of this writing, the post and tweet remain deleted. Another outlet that showed support for Palestine is People was Game Informer. However, its article promoting charities was also removed today, as was IG, as with IGN. There's been no public indications to why this post was removed or if it will return. Uh, there's a couple of other things uh, as well. Um, in the IGN <coughs> posted this image, uh, this tweet. Across IGN, our hearts are heavy as we follow the events, and, and this is sort of after... Uh, the tweet was taken down. Across IGN, our hearts are heavy as we follow the events in Israel, Palestine, and across the region. Our first thought is always for the broader, broader edging community, our employee, employees, readers, and partners, and our hopes for their safety and well-being. We have a tracker to keep of supporting humanitarian efforts and charities across the globe in the instance of our recent posts regarding how to help civilians in Israel-Palestinian conflict. Our philanthropic instincts to help those in need was not in line with our intent to try and show support uh, trying to show support for all people impacted by the tragic events by highlighting one population. The post mistakenly left the impression that we were politically aligned with one side. That was not our intention, and we sincerely regret the error. We do intend to continue to save our, use our platforms and resources to aid those civilian lives impacted across the entire area. As part of this effort, we have made a donation of $25,000 to save children. An organization that works with support children everywhere and provides energy and emergency aid in natural disasters, war, and other conflicts. Thank you for your support. And so that kind of basically your corporate, that's definitely coming up from there. Uh, the corporate overlords, basically, we need to play nice because Israel's pissed. Um, and uh, then earlier today, uh, this is coming from uh, the employees of IGN. And if you follow IGN Twitter accounts... Uh, people who work with IGN, they were retweeting this earlier, so I'm going to read the letter here. Uh, uh, it's a pretty long letter, so I'm going to try to read through this as fast as I can. Uh, this is an open letter to IGN, Ziff Davis, and J2 Global. Uh, Ziff Davis, J2 Global, I believe, is the parent company that owns IGN. Um, we, under, uh, we, the undersigned employees of IGN, are appalled by the recent management decision to subvert our editorial autonomy and remove our posts directing aid to the Palestinian civilians currently suffering a humanitarian crisis in Gaza, the West Bank, and Jerusalem. Uh, in our original post, we have offered our readers way to support charities that help injured sick children, supply educational resources and food assistance to victims, provide emergency medical relief uh, for those wounded or displaced by the conflict. 
We feel these efforts should not be controversial. All humans deserve access to these basic rights, and it is important for those uh, with the means to offer aid in humanitarian crisis. Our original post was shared by thousands of people, and because of IGN's size and reach, we were able to serve as a leader for much of the rest of the industry to also help support those whose lives are torn apart by this conflict. We are proud to be part of the team at a site that is able to be willing to offer this level of visibility to such critical humanitarian uh, support efforts. This decision to take down a post was made a day and a half after it was published. The takedown took place in the early hours of the morning on a weekend with no communication to essential authors, the general IGN staff, or to the public as to why it happened. IGN's editorial team has guidelines about updating content, deemed needful changes, and something that we've done multiple times in the past. But wholesale removal of pieces without posting an explanatory statement is expressly against our usual policy. Finally, more than 12 hours after the issue was first flagged to the broader team in our international Slack, our staff received a late-night email from IGN leadership, all well, after reasonable working hours for IGN global team. And with the same statement, this was to be published publicly on the IGN Twitter account on a uh, late, later. There was no indication in the initial email. It also served as our official statement on, on the matter. While we, are able, while we are glad to see a sizable donation being made to save the children, we feel... The decision to remove the original article and social post, as well as subsequent statement from management, is not only actively harmful to IGN's uh, public public reputation and its employees, but also highly disrespectful to much of its content team and broader staff. The statement inaccurately describes uh, retraction to those across IGN rather than to the members of our upper management team who made the decision to give them a public impression that the decision was made by the editorial staff despite the, this being a choice we did not make collectively and which many of us do not agree with. Following an IGN-wide meeting this morning, we have come to understand that this was clear instance of corporate overreach and demonstrated blatant disregard for the most basic standards of journalistic integrity and editorial independence. The business interests of a public's ownerships and its editorial staff should stay separate at all times. Importantly, we feel the latest statement dangerously turns what was matters of supporting innocent civilians facing a humanitarian crisis in a harmful case of both sidesism. Uh, I'm doing quotes because that's what it says in the article. Helping children and civilians harmed by the horrors of war should be con- uncontroversial no matter what two sides are. And is keeping with IGN's ongoing efforts to help uh, highlight causes that are important to our team. Such as support for Black Lives Matter last year and our more recent celebration of AAPI Heritage Month and joining the call to end AAPI hate. The victims here deserve the same support. Same support. We recognize the concerns expressed by upper management, but are nonetheless gravely disappointed by the lack of respect shown to our content team and broader staff in this matter and expect our leaders to take responsibility for their decisions. We, the undersigned, are calling from an all-hands meeting that includes IG and upper management, anyone at J2 Global or Ziv Davis who had a hand in this decision. By the end of the week, we would like full transparency about the reasoning and process behind the post-removal. We ask that the management's body responsible for the decision accept the responsibility publicly. We ask that management recognize IGN's editorial authority and autonomy with regards to what it's published, regardless of whether it's work, news, work is news, reviews, features, guides, video content, or promotion, or initiatives. Our staff feels are important, such as issue awareness or charitable support. While we want to be able to make all voices on our team, IGN management included, feel be able to weigh in on what we say, we say as a site and how we say it, we are adamant that corporate leadership does not get the final word in, this, in, in editorial decisions. Finally, we ask that management work with our staff to republish the piece. We are open to doing this process through corporate management feedback and concerns about how its content is perceived, but we firmly believe that we must be allowed to advocate for humanitarian causes 
freely across all our channels. We are a team of creators who love what we do, take pride in our work, which has previously enjoyed the support and freedom of unnecessary interference, our parents and companies. We would like that relationship to continue to be a positive one. It is our hope that management recognizes its errors this past weekend and is willing to work with us to ensure that IGN can continue to stand on it as a trusted publication, unconstrained by interference with corporate interests, and be able to freely inform its audience about opportunities to support important meaningful causes around the world. And it's signed by several members of IGN staff. So, again, it is a very, uh, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say it again. There is no, both sides are bad. The people of Gaza, the people of Palestine, are it, it, it are being attacked by a apartheid regime that is the Israeli government, and the fact that our own government and governments around the world continue to support Israel in these atrocities is horrifying, and the fact that even. This post that was taken down um, by IGN, uh, upper management, to just simply donate money to help the people of Palestine get basic resources is fucking awful and just shows um, what kind of people who are in charge really are. I apologize if this makes anybody uncomfortable. Uh, it was my decision to put this on the show, but I felt that it was important to bring it up because at some points you can't just plug in a video game and just ignore everything. You have to acknowledge what's going on. And if sometimes that's meaning that the place you thought what is not what it was, Israel being a holy state for all places to, to, to uh, worship peacefully, it's not. There's video. There's a video of a mosque burning and you can see the Israeli people cheering as it burns so I don't know if you guys have anything to say about it I understand that Justin has not been following it as much as I have and Tyler I'm not sure about you but um, I just felt that it was important that in within the consensus of what's going on that this needed to be more. This needed to be spread more. Yeah, this is just uh, one of those things that uh, you can't really ignore. Like, uh, this is a really huge deal. I'm not really that knowledgeable. I haven't really been keeping up with it myself, but I do understand the gravity of the situation. And you know, it's just something that uh, it's heavy, man. Yeah, I mean, I don't have anything to add that you didn't already say. Uh, I'm not knowledgeable on this topic, and I think that's it's okay to say that you don't know enough to have an opinion on something. But I do know a thing or two about censorship. Um, and, I mean, in my... Uh, without, you know, getting too personal or anything, in my workplace, this has been an issue before of, like, you know, you share something... And people see it, and then you remove it, and the backlash of it being removed is a much bigger deal than what was originally shared. Um, and that's not that's not good. Like, especially in this case, when you're trying to raise awareness. You're trying to raise awareness, you're trying to raise money 
for an important cause, and someone, unbeknownst to anyone else, just decides that they don't want to be political? I don't know what the reasoning would be. This is, I mean, this is human Everybody wants to kowtow to Israel because of our political ally. They're, like, similar to how people don't want, like, the whole China, like, similar things with China... It's because of our political understanding with China, with, with Israel, and that of course leads to business ties with Israel. So, it's probably right. I would assume it's probably somebody with that connection that's like, "Hey, take that shit down." Probably, but this is still human life, human rights. We're talking about like human issues are not political. We are all one species. We are we should come together and to go behind everyone's back and make the people look bad that, you know, did not intend for that to happen, like, is just sleazy. And, like, I feel bad for all the people at IGN. I mean, they've been through, you know, obviously that whole company has been through a lot that IGN is... Uh... People have their opinions. I'll say that. Um, But, like, this is clearly just its parent company madness. Um, and I wouldn't be surprised if there's another mass exodus after all of this, and it would be very justified, um, because they should, they should be able to speak their piece. (laughs) Right. I mean, it's important, and censorship is bad. That's, that's all I really have to say. Yeah, and I'm not even, uh, like, you know, there's, there's other things we could bring up, but, um... If uh, and I'll be checking the comments. I saw uh, Justin the moderator, but if I see anything in the comments defending Israel or saying how, um, uh, and I don't expect it, but you never know with YouTube and people just searching for shit. Mm. If I see, if I see that shit, you're that's an automatic ban because there's no there's just no zero uh, that is a zero tolerance policy for it. Um, there is no both sides. Um. So, that's that. It need to be said. It's done. Uh, it will. If you know, it's not going to be the last of it. Unfortunately, we probably won't be bringing it up on the show again, um, just because I don't want to bring the mood down every week. Um, just felt like it was important to do it this time, especially considering how it tied in with IGN specifically. But let's go ahead and move on to our final topic. Let's go ahead and bring it back up. And uh, unfortunately, when it came to our voting process this time. We got a tie, and that was my fault because I voted late, and I figured, hey, yeah, somebody's yeah, gonna tie. break it. <laughs> um, so yeah. we had a tie because tie won. Exactly. Ah, 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 fucking! I can't escape the puns. Okay, so uh, I it came to basically I made the decision. Okay, well, since Justin's last week was technically Justin's topic, uh, and he and Tyler also has never won this poll before. Uh, by default rules of what Thomas and I go when we um, do our voting for what wrestling show we're going to watch, um, I let Ty have this one and because I, I thought his was the most fun and could be the most interesting. And that is Final Video Game Bosses versus Thanos. Uh, Tyler did not specify without the, with or without the Infinity Gems, but I figured we could get into that here. So, uh, Tyler... That's my question. Yeah, so Tyler, number one, that is it with or without the Infinity Stones? I would assume with because uh, that would be uh, with his full power and everything. 
And okay. um, I figure that there are enough final bosses that could probably feasibly take him on at his full strength. All right. So since it was your topic, I'm curious. What's the final boss that you could take? You can take on Thanos with the this Infinity one, Stones. This one's probably an easy guess, and I'm pretty sure one of you guys might have come up with this as well. Probably Sephiroth from Final Fantasy VII. Uh, yeah. Given a given account for uh, all the forms and shit, uh, you know, uh, not accounting for all the Genova stuff uh, without getting into spoilers. Um. If you're not familiar with Seven, uh, basically Sephiroth is pretty much uh, the OG soldier. He's the biggest badass in that entire universe. So much so that uh, Cloud and Cloud pretty much idolized him. He's the whole reason that he wanted to join Soldier in the first place. And the first time we see him in a flashback, uh, he one-shots a dragon. And uh, throughout the story, we see all the other crazy shit that he's done. Like, he impales the Zolos, which gave the party a whole bunch of shit. And uh, in the final boss, uh, in his one-winged angel form, he can pretty much just summon a meteor that summons math equations and uh, pretty much tears the solar system asunder. So, uh... Which Thanos does, too, to be fair. Yeah, he does. Uh... But yeah, if he were to go up against Thanos, it would probably be a really close match, but I would say that Sethroth might edge it with his uh, mastery <laughs> of... Uh, Sethroth's going to edge Thanos. Yeah. yeah, that was completely unintentional, but That's I'll take That's probably a, a Pornhub video somewhere. Yeah, <laughs> it might be. But yeah, uh, he'll definitely take it because of his uh, experience of Mako and... Uh, you know, his uh, one-winged form, uh, being able to summon Meteor using the Black Materia. But yeah, that's my two cents on the matter. Justin, what furry mascot is taking on Thanos? See, this is a tough one. Because, I, like I said, I wasn't sure if it was going to be Infinity Gauntlet or no. Because, I mean, I don't really know, you know, comics Thanos that well. So I'm just basically going off of like end of Infinity Ga- or Infinity War, um, when he's at full power, and I mean, not much can really stop him because he can stop and rewind time at will. He can just like snap his finger and destroy everyone. Like but that also hurts his arm. Mean, true. Um. So. It's got to be someone that can manipulate the, you know, everything around them in the same way. So Dio. <laughs> um, but to then you're specifically talking about final bosses. And admittedly, there's not as many games I've beaten to know the final boss. Because uh, I could think of, like, protagonists. Like, I think maybe Bayonetta would stand a chance, for example. Probably. Um, but... And you stole Sephiroth, which is a really good one. <laughs> it kind of is, isn't it? Yeah. Like, so, I mean, part of me wants to stick with the um, the Final Fantasy realm and go with... 
I was I was debating between Ultimecia or um, Kuja because both get pretty ridiculous by the end. I would say Kuja would have the better chance, honestly. Well, Ultimecia like literally warps time, also. Like, oh yeah, that's right. Her whole final realm exists like outside of time and space, like the time compression or whatever. Um, and she has similar like similar forms where she's like floating around in space and like throws planets at you and stuff like that. But I mean, yeah, Kuja is basically all powerful. Okay, so really either. Um, but I think I'm going to go with Ultimecia just because I want Thanos to get whooped by a girl. <laughs> well, I mean, that could have been the case at the end of Infinity War if uh, Scarlet Witch had her chance. Hey, yeah. Captain Marvel was doing a pretty good knocking until he got the Power Stone on his hands. Yeah, that's true. Right, but again, none of them could take him on full power. True. That's the difference. Okay. Akuma. Oh, yeah. Is that Final Boss? Yeah, dude. Yeah, in Street Fighter 2, uh, uh, he can be the Final Boss if you uh, get the correct stipulations. Yeah. Like, he whoops Bison's ass, and then you fight him instead. <laughs> like, if I think of, like, pure... Because, like, Akuma... I'm, I'm using comics canon a little bit. Like, Akuma is dumb powerful. Like, <coughs> in the game, he's obviously known as, as super busted. But, like, in, in like, kind of, like, elsewhere stuff, like, a comic, like, adjacent stuff that still ties close Street Fighter, Akuma's, like, so, like second strongest person on that planet. Like, he can literally break a mountain in half with his fist. He's dumb powerful. Yeah, Only person is. who's technically stronger than him, if he actually embraced the Satsui no Hado, would be Ryu. But Ryu's like, nah, fuck that. I don't want to sell myself for that shit. And Akuma is literally just evil incarnate. He has no humanity left in his soul. But if there's anybody who I could think could take down Thanos, if any gauntlet or not, it's it's the man who will scream "Die one thousand deaths" as he does um, the raging God, demon, the raging demon to Thanos. Because I guarantee you, the raging demon does not care about the infinity, about the infinity, any of the infinity stones. Yeah, man. If he can fight toe-to-toe with Devils and Tekken, then I'm pretty sure he can hold his own against uh, Thanos at full power. Well, I hadn't really thought about fighting games, ironically, even though this is a versus. Um, Final Fantasy... Sorry, not Final Fantasy. Uh, Mortal Kombat 11. Shot of Kronika? Oh, Kronika, yeah. Yeah. That's a, that would stand pretty, a chance. That would that would actually be pretty good. I was gonna say Shao Kahn, but that would be like without the gauntlet, because I don't think Shao right. Kahn would stand a chance against Thanos with the gauntlet. He'd probably get bodied, right? But Kronika might stand a chance. Shinnok might stand a chance with the gauntlet too. He's another yeah. god. Oh yeah, it's true. That's true. Oh yeah. <laughs> um. So yeah. Like, who canonically has taken down Thanos with? Nobody. Not that I can think of. They usually have to uh, trick Thanos to get to lose the gauntlet to beat him that way. Right. That's that's the thing. Because at first I was trying to think of people that could like clearly just you know cut his arm off or something. Nah, I'm like, Dan- that's Dan- lame. Thanos has to literally like over be overconfident or like sub like usually in the comics it's like he subconsciously wants to lose 
and like he lets his guard down just enough to give the heroes a chance. But yeah, usually it's it's like by luck the heroes beat him if he has the gems. If he doesn't have the gems, it's pretty like yeah, he's a brawler, but it's like comparing a hill to a mountain at that point. Which is why Akuma would beat him because he said, "Fuck your gems, raging <laughs> demon." I crush mountains. So we have right. Sephiroth. What was yours again? The Final Fantasy Kuja? I mean, Ultimecia. Ultimecia. I think is my final pick, but I'm okay with it if you want to do Chronica. Chronica? Okay. Just to get away from Final Fantasy. And then we have Akuma. I could even go, um, uh, God, Tyler, what was his form in uh, Street Fighter 4? Um, uh, not Shinokuma. I mean, Shinokuma would. Yeah, Goki? Yeah. I mean, Shinokuma would definitely body akuma would body thanos without it um but yeah i think akuma in general would body would body thanos it wouldn't even, yeah. it wouldn't even be close so, yosh all right everybody no nothing no okay all right oh there you go Shoes. maybe maybe next week we do protagonists video game protagonists who could fight thanos and i mean this was a hard one so now now okay fuck it we're doing it no poll this coming week <laughs> we're gonna have we're each going to have two protagonists, one who we believe could beat Thanos without the Infinity Gauntlet, one who we believe Thanos could beat Thanos with the Infinity Gauntlet. That second one might be harder. It might have to think of some bullshit, but that's the point. It's, it's still so fun. So let us know what final bosses do you think uh, could beat Thanos with or without the Infinity Gauntlet. There you go. Instead of a poll, we'll just have like user submissions. Yes, so be sure to add us this week and we'll read them up. If we get enough of them, if we get any, we'll read them off next week. But uh, we're each going to have at least two, one with and one without. So if you want to submit one year's one without, so go ahead and do that. All right, uh, that is going to do it for this week's episode. Um, Justin, please tell the beautiful people where they can find your stuff at. Well, the beautiful people could find No, I'm kidding. Um, you can find me if you look for Zero Score on Twitter or YouTube or Twitch. Um, we stream this show on Mondays on my Twitch, and I also stream on Thursday nights. Um, I think I'm gonna drop Friday. I just I wasn't really feeling it when I started it, and then now I'm you know my schedule's limited, so I'm just I'm just gonna call it. Uh. But Thursdays will still be multiplayer stuff. It's a lot of fun. Um, and I, you know, I'm doing some video stuff. I've still got the first part of the Ratchet & Clank retrospective out there. Um, I just put out a mobile game review on Diecast. I'm going to try to get, like, one of those a week out um, until I get the... I'm hoping to have the second part of the Ratchet & Clank video out uh, by the time Rift Apart comes out. And then I'll do a review of that on its own. That's my current plan. Um, and yeah, also me and Tyler do... I keep forgetting to, to promote this. Um, me and Tyler do Atomic Shart, <laughs> um, which has generally been coming out on Sundays. Um, we're, we're having some issues finding a, a set time to record and stuff. But uh, yeah, the next one of that that's coming... that's That is out, I should say, is... Um, Wow. It's Mega, Mega Shark, Shark versus, Giant, versus Octopus. Giant Octopus. Good grief. I, I got so caught up in my Crockermeyer joke, I couldn't remember the, <laughs> the last movie. That's next week, Justin. <laughs> yeah. And then next week, we've got Mega Shark versus Crocosaurus, 
continuing our fun uh, Mega Shark series that hopefully will continue to be good. Yeah. All right. Tyler, where can the beautiful people find your stuff at? You can follow me on Twitter at HeyIt'sTaiTai, and if you uh, search for Tire Shoes Reviews on YouTube, you'll be able to find my YouTube channel. I have currently made four videos on uh, fighting games so far. I am currently in the process of uh, making my next one, so hopefully that comes out within the next week or so. Uh, as Justin uh, mentioned before, we also have Atomic Shark, uh, which comes out... Every Sunday, uh, we're still figuring out the process for that, uh, where we pretty much review bad monster movies from the Asylum, though the last one admittedly wasn't that bad, so, you know. It was totally watchable. Absolutely. Kind of upsettingly so. Yeah, it kind of is. Our whole gimmick! (laughs) Yep, right down the shitter, where it's supposed to be. But yeah, uh, now that my uh, schedule has been completely revamped, I am... uh, currently free on all evenings, so I am planning on doing live streaming again. Uh, I forget what my Twitch is called. Uh, I believe it's tire- I believe <laughs> it's twitch.tv backslash tireshoes1 and I am planning That's to stream good. every Saturday evening at 7 Central Standard Time. Uh, just, uh, I probably want to get into playing some Fire Emblem Three Houses again. Just Ooh. do that on a weekly basis. That'll probably be all fun. Right. And that's it for me. All right. And you can catch me at twitter.com slash marvelousiki for all things related to the self-proclaimed marvelous one. Uh, my refam video is expected to come out this week. I recorded footage for it today uh, and just got to do the voiceover and edit it down to some interesting bits, which might be hard because it's earthbound, but whatever. It's fine. Um, None of it's interesting. Yes. <laughs> um, and uh, that'll be coming out, so I hope I can channel. It's been a while since I've done a video. I apologize for the humongous delay. But a lot of things have been going on since uh, the last the Hades one back in March. Um, so, but I look I look forward to it that coming out this week. By the time this episode's out, the uh, either the Earthbound video will be out the day after, or or be out by the time this episode is already out. Um, and of course, you catch me live at uh, three times a week at Twitch.tv slash Iggy Two Eight One Four at Sunday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, all at six PM Central Standard Time. Sundays, I'm sorry, Indivisible. Sundays are officially Mass Effect nights. Um, I played. <laughs> I, I talked about earlier. It's the remaster. That's just invisible is going to go on the back burner for a bit, uh, which is good because I think I hit. I a mean, point Sunday with... is for mass, you know. Yes. Um, Tuesdays will still be co-op day with Tyler. Uh, we'll probably still be playing Monster Hunter. Maybe we'll play something else in the future. But for now, Monster Hunter is the name of the game. And of course, Wednesday uh, it's our it's my RPG night, which is odd because I'm playing an RPG on Sunday as well for Mass Effect. Whatever, it's fine. It doesn't become an RPG after the first game, anyways. Um, but that is Grandia. We had our first stream this past Wednesday, and that was a lot of fun to play that game. Bad um, audio mixing and all. Um, and, of course, be sure to go to Charshot.com for all Charshot-related content. We are bumming with content. We got uh, Voices of the Vanguard, which is back. We have, of course, this show, Charshot's Gamescast. Uh, we have Atomic Shot, which you can go listen to all those beautiful episodes that Tara and I recorded. We have Atomic Shart. Fuck, why did I green like that? Um... And then it's uh, great, whatever. And then, of course, coming coming soon, we will have Cinema Shot, Tyler and I's new show, which is basically spinning out of Atomic Shot, where we will be reviewing fran- series of movies, franchises of movies per ep- uh, per series. So, uh, coming up is uh, the first episode will be uh, Justice League Flashpoint, uh, where it was me, Barry memes all day long. <laughs> uh, and of course, thank you all for listening. 
despite the heaviness of the ending of the episode, episode, I hope you stick around with us going far, going further. Uh, but uh, that's going to do it for this time. And until next time, guys, stay charged. Have a good night, everybody. That reminds me, I need to charge my phone. Yeah. <laughs>